Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse who oddly enough has no kids, yet a huge passion for informing and empowering women on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me every week as we dive in to all things prenatal, postnatal, birth, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to What The Bump. I truly lately have been so busy that when I actually get to sit down and plan a podcast and record a podcast, I am so excited. I feel like I used to be able to record like a couple times a week, even maybe like twice a week. And lately it has been like every other week. So I've mentioned this in my past few podcasts, but I am currently in school. I am actually only have an associates in ADN. Um, so I am back getting my bachelor's degree right now. I'm doing it online and it has just been taking a lot of my time. I am trying to finish it in like four to five months. Um, and it's definitely, you know, a one to two year course. So I am kind of crunching it all together in a super, super condensed time frame, which basically means that I am trying to do it at the rate of like, you know, very, very, very fast. <laughs> and I have literally just been outside of work doing school, writing a ton of papers and taking right now I'm in a government class, like just random, very random things. So that has been consuming almost all of my time. I had to take an evidence-based nursing practice course and write papers with like 10 research articles. I will not lie to you. It was absolutely terrible. And that's coming from somebody who enjoys school most of the time. So that has been kind of what my days look like outside of work. It's been writing papers and studying for exams and just really trying to knock out my BSN. But I am on track to definitely finish within the five month frame. I'm already, you know, I'm, I'm one and a half months in and I think I'm halfway done. Um, so I'm not going to slow down. I'm just going to keep on going that way. I make sure that I don't have to do another term, but you pay per term. So the quicker I get it done, the more money I'm saving. But Aside from that, I'm very excited to be here and record a podcast. We are going to be talking about episiotomies. And I know that that is like a loaded topic. I'm going to basically make it super simple and talk to you guys about what an episiotomy is. Hopefully remove some of the fear and assumptions that are around an episiotomy. So getting started, I think most people, when they think of an episiotomy, they think that it's like worst case scenario throughout labor. I have so many moms when you ask them what the birth plan is, or if they have a birth plan, they just say, I don't care. Just don't cut my vagina to my butthole. And I've heard that literally so many times. And I think that's what most people think an episiotomy is. It's, it's cutting the the vagina all the way down through the rectum. And that's actually not the case. So what is an episiotomy? An episiotomy is often a woman's worst fear when they face birth. The truth is if you ask your mom or your grandma or even your mom about an episiotomy, they probably had one. It used to be a very routine standard care. Every woman in labor, especially woman, obviously who delivered vaginally, they almost always got an episiotomy just when they started pushing physicians thought it was common, normal practice and beneficial to actually just go ahead and cut an episiotomy. They used to think that the artificial cut from the episiotomy healed much better than natural vaginal tearing. And they also thought that cutting the episiotomy versus not cutting it, that cutting it helped preserve the muscle and the tissue in the perineum surrounding the vagina and the rectum. And it actually, they thought it helped preserve kind of like the pelvic floor area and the pelvic floor muscles. 
So that is kind of the history of an episiotomy. They used to be super routine. Everybody got one. They thought that they were helping you. However, that is not the case anymore. Research started to come out thinking that, you know, cutting the episiotomy actually did not affect the amount of tearing that a woman had. That, you know, even if you cut the episiotomy, they still tore the same amount regardless. So it actually was more so like a double harm. So episiotomies are now not general routine care throughout labor and delivery. Now let's dive into what it actually is. An episiotomy is an incision that is made in the perineum. The perineum is a tissue between the vagina and the rectum. So it's an incision that's cut right there between the vagina and the rectum by your physician to make more room and make that passageway for the baby and the baby's head especially a little bit wider and a little bit bigger. Now, just because it's a tissue between the perineum and the rectum, or I'm sorry, between the vagina and the rectum in that perineum area, just because it's an incision there does not mean that it is the entire perineum and all of the tissue right there. It does not mean that we go straight from the vagina all the way to the rectum. That's actually rarely the case. Now, episiotomies are only used when they are necessary, mainly to expedite delivery of the baby if baby's in distress or to prevent very bad tearing if your doctor thinks that you're going to tear very bad and they think that an episiotomy might help. And yes, you heard me right. An episiotomy can actually prevent very bad tearing. I think most women think of an episiotomy and they think, you know, that cut is all the way through to the rectum and that is not true at all. That's a rare case. Like I said, that would be considered a fourth degree tear where the vagina tears all the way to the rectum. Most episiotomies are actually only kind of like a small slit in that perineum area. A lot of times there's a very tight band of tissue at the very edge of the vagina opening. And an episiotomy might just be a little bit of a slit in there, maybe even, you know, less than an inch, just a tiny little cut into that very tight band of tissue close to the vagina opening. So I just had to debunk that myth that, you know, an episiotomy means that, you know, your vagina and your butt become one. That is not true. So now let's talk about reasons why you might need an episiotomy. The number one reason is probably if baby is in distress. A lot of times, you know, if you've been pushing for a little while and baby is really close to delivery, like let's say the head is, you know, crowning, but you've still been pushing and baby just stays crowning and that head is just not passing through the vagina um, and baby starts to get in distress. A lot of times they will cut an episiotomy and, you know, a few more pushes later and baby will be out. It kind of just is used in that case if baby's in distress to expedite delivery. Baby's telling us, hey, I'm not enjoying this environment. I'm really not enjoying pushing anymore. Please get me out. And an episiotomy can do that. Another reason if you, if your baby has a shoulder dystocia, and that is where the shoulder is stuck behind the pelvic, or I'm sorry, the pelvis bone. A lot of times to get that shoulder out, an episiotomy can be cut just to help make room and help the doctor kind of move the baby and get the baby out. Another reason why an episiotomy might be cut is if you've been pushing for a very long time, let's say like three plus hours, very close to delivering, but there's that tight band of tissue that's stalling delivery. So this kind of goes along with the first point that I said of just kind of making delivery faster, except this time baby might not even be in distress. You just might've been pushing for a really long time and you're super close to delivery, but there's that band of tissue that is stalling you out. Making a little bit of a slit in that can help the baby's head be delivered within the next few pushes and the body will normally follow. Going along with that as well is if mom is very exhausted from pushing. If you've been pushing for a long time, you're probably exhausted. So an episiotomy can help kind of just end end the delivery to help just deliver your baby. 
And another reason, the last reason why you would mainly need an episiotomy is if you are having a vacuum or forceps delivery. And that is normally used if baby's in distress or you're having trouble pushing and we need to get baby out. We can use a vacuum or a forceps to deliver baby a little bit faster. And in those cases, an episiotomy can be used also to kind of help bring about more space in the vagina along with the forceps and vacuum. What is the actual procedure like of having an episiotomy? So if you have an epidural, you most likely will not feel the episiotomy. However, if you don't have an epidural or let's say your epidural is wearing off or, you know, for some odd reason you do feel kind of the episiotomy, um, your doctor will use a local anesthesia, something like lidocaine, basically just to numb up that area. Now, cutting of the actual episiotomy is very quick. Most women, especially if you have a good epidural, of course, we tell you we're going to do it. We would never do it without your consent. However, a lot of times they don't even know. They'll say, oh, you already did it. And, you know, it's very quick. It literally happens in seconds. They simply cut the smallest amount of that perineum possible to deliver the baby. And usually after the episiotomy is cut, delivery of the baby follows within a few pushes. After delivery, the incision is repaired just like any other, you know, natural vaginal tear would be repaired. And the stitches normally dissolve right along with those. There are two types of episiotomies. One is called a midline episiotomy, which sounds, you know, right about what it is. It's basically where the incision is cut right in the middle. The other type of episiotomy is a mediolateral incision. And that is where it is kind of um, cut at an angle. So they're not going directly down towards the rectum. They more so go off in an angle towards the muscle tissue. So how do we avoid an episiotomy? Some people think that perineal massage while you're pregnant, especially towards the end of pregnancy, can kind of help the skin surrounding the vaginal area to stretch easier during labor. There isn't much evidence behind this. You can definitely try it. I'll be honest with you. I have not done my research necessarily on perineal massage, but from what I've heard, you basically use some type of like oil. I've heard of people using like coconut oil and you literally, I mean, it's just like it sounds, you're massaging the perineum to try to just help kind of loosen it up, I guess, and get the area to stretch during birth. Again, not much evidence backing it, but if it's something you're worried about, definitely do your own research and you definitely can try it. Another thing to help avoid an episiotomy is to kind of just push slow, push in controlled, you know, between contractions, preserve all the rest that you can have and stay healthy throughout your pregnancy, exercise throughout your pregnancy. Those are really the best things to avoid an episiotomy. The rest of it is out of your hands. Almost always the reason why you're going to get an episiotomy is probably out of your hands. I will not lie to you. It's kind of hard to prevent one if you're going to end up having one. Whether your baby gets stressed out in labor, whether your baby needs assistance with delivery, whether you have an insanely tight band of tissue around your vagina opening that baby's head might just be too big to pass through and it's very tight, that is all out of your control. Those are factors that there is really not much we can do about. And, you know, in the end, you just need a healthy baby and a healthy mom. So if something like that happens and you do need an episiotomy, it is not the end of the world. As long as your baby is healthy and if the odds the odds are if we're doing an episiotomy, it is because we need to make sure that baby is okay and, you know, to deliver baby if they're stressed in there. So that's really what matters if it comes down to you having an episiotomy. Do not let it, you know, ruin your birth plan. Don't feel like everything you wanted, you know, just vanished out the window. That's not true. You know, it, you can't always control every single factor of birth at all. Baby is already running the world before they're in it. And you kind of just have to accept that. Some other things that you can do is just to have a birth plan. You know, if you really don't want an episiotomy, that's fine. You can have a birth plan and definitely state it in there. And we will try to do everything we can to avoid that. The other thing is just to educate yourself. You know, even listening to podcasts like this and doing your own research, educate yourself on things surrounding birth. That way, when it comes up, you know, you might have thought, 
I absolutely do not want an episiotomy. That's where they cut from the vagina to the rectum. And in the chance that you need one and it's an emergent situation and baby's very stressed and your doctor asks for your consent, you might not even know truly what an episiotomy is because you might have had some assumptions about an episiotomy that were not true. So educating yourself and understanding truly what an episiotomy is will really help. Also understanding just recovery of an episiotomy and which I'm going to dive into, but understanding recovery and just that education really helps when you're in an emergent situation and words are being thrown around that you might not be familiar with. Education is key. The other thing is just communicating with your nurse and your provider throughout delivery, knowing that our goal is to deliver a healthy baby any route that we need to, honestly, that keeps you healthy and baby healthy. An episiotomy will never be cut without your consent. Well, let me rephrase, should never be cut without without your consent. Any doctor who's going to cut an episiotomy, they should tell you. They should never do that without your consent. That is just absolutely not right. If your doctor thinks it is necessary, if they think that it will speed up delivery, if they think that it will help you, if they think that it will greatly help baby, any situation where it is needed, they should talk to you first. Whether it be, you know, a five second, hey, I really think we need to do an episiotomy right now. You know, baby needs it. I think it would help anything like that, even if it's super quick. And that's where education helps because in that time, they might not have the time to explain to you exactly what an episiotomy is or where they're going to cut or how they're going to cut or what recovery is going to be like. So it's really good to know these keywords that can be used throughout labor and delivery before you get stuck in a situation where they're being thrown around and nobody has the time to explain it to you. Now diving into healing of the episiotomy. Like I stated, education is key here and stitches do dissolve. So they will stitch up your episiotomy like they would any other tear. Most moms, I don't know the true statistic, but I would say around like 90% or more of first time moms have second degree tears. Second degree tears are just stitched up, stitches dissolve, you heal fine. Same with episiotomy. They're stitched up like any other tear would be and the incision will heal along with any other tear. It might be a little bit more sore, a little bit more tender in that area, especially when you go to sit down, just because of the location of the of the stitches and really of the tear. I mean, it's very external, whereas other tears in the vagina are more internal. So sitting, moving doesn't really hurt that bad. But with episiotomies, it is, you know, it is right in that external area. And when you sit, you truly are kind of sitting right on that perineum area. So you might be very, very sore. Things to help with that, make sure you get Dermaplast spray from your hospital. It's basically like an icy hot spray bottle, but it's for the perineum. Other things, make sure you use the vaginal ice packs in your underwear that the hospital gives you to relieve some of the pain. You can order them on Amazon too, I believe. They're called like padsicles. Other medication wise, take some ibuprofen for any discomfort. Another major healing tip, take a stool softener. Mainly they give you colace. I believe they give it to you postpartum as well, like they prescribe it. But while you're in the hospital, you'll get it twice a day. Take it postpartum as well. That'll just help, especially with an episiotomy, but really with any tear. Those bowel movements move a little bit easier and be a little bit softer. It does not work like a laxative. It will not make you have diarrhea or anything like that. Your doctor should put you on a stool softener regardless of if you had an episiotomy or not. It is usually routine standard care for any C-section or vaginal delivery. Another thing is to use the squirt peri bottle that the hospital gives you instead of wiping with toilet paper. That will just kind of be a little bit softer, a little bit nicer with that incision. You definitely do not want to be wiping for a little while until it heals a little bit better. So take that peri bottle home. I believe you can order some on Amazon also. You can even ask the hospital for, you know, a couple extra ones. They'll definitely give it to you. The other thing that I know that people like is doing a sits bath. I've heard of people doing it with warm or cold water. I 
I'm really not sure which one. It might be different per person. Um, but basically that's where you kind of just take like a basin and you fill it with either warm water or ice and you kind of just sit over it and kind of submerge that area in the water just to help numb it and soothe it. Now moving on to risk factors for an episiotomy. There really are no risk factors that are different than having a natural vagina tear, which like I said, I would say somewhere around 90% or more of first time moms will have that second degree tear. Not many difference in risks as far as, you know, any tear, there's always a risk for infection. So you want to watch for any drainage, any pus at the site, any fever, chills, anything, you know, that is a normal sign of infection in any human being. The other thing that, you know, you're going to be at a little bit of a greater risk for is going to be pain, bruising, swelling. All those things are going to be a little bit worse with a episiotomy than they would just an internal, you know, second degree um, vaginal tear just because of the location of the episiotomy and just the nature of the recovery and just how, you know, every time you sit, you are sitting right on that, those stitches in that area. You can definitely have a little bit more pain and swelling during that. Another thing that some people report is just painful intercourse following recovery. So of course, you know, don't have sex for at least six weeks following recovery or following delivery. But some people notice that when they, you know, go back to resuming normal sexual activity, that in the beginning, it might be a little bit sore. And, you know, that's, that's kind of expected with an incision that's right there. You definitely want to use some lubricant when you resume sexual activity, just to kind of lessen the friction and, um, you know, the pulling and stretching of that area. But if you are experiencing extreme pain, when you go back to having intercourse after an episiotomy, you definitely need to call your OB, meet with them just to kind of that way they can, they can check out the area, the scar tissue, and the healing of the episiotomy. That is honestly my crash course in episiotomy. I hope that I kind of cleared up what the term exactly is, what it entails, what it looks like, and kind of took away some of the fear following an episiotomy. That way, if you get stuck in a situation where you need one, you are educated, you know what they're talking about, and you just don't really have the fear that surrounds an episiotomy. I'll be honest, guys, it is not that bad. I've seen plenty of them cut, and you know, every one of the mom, they, they do fine. You do fine. It heals. The vagina is probably probably the most forgiving, you know, area and part of your body, which thank God, because childbirth can be a little bit crazy at times. So the vagina is forgiving, the uterus is forgiving, it will heal and you will, you know, you will do absolutely fine if you have to have an episiotomy. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it and I cannot wait to talk next time on what the bump if you guys have any topics that you want to discuss please go over to my instagram it's just at what the bump podcast over on instagram dm me follow me i also created a website that is linked onto my instagram so that's kind of cool i have started to kind of turn every podcast i record into a blog as well that way if you want to read about it or even just i do put the links to some of the resources that i use for the podcast at the bottom that way you can go over there as a kind of an information pile and go and you you know, look up any podcast that you've listened to and see it in words, the actual blog post that correlates with it on there. I'm working on getting my past episodes also up on the blog, but any new ones that I come out with from here on out will automatically be up on the blog. So that is a great area to go. You can also go over there to schedule to be on the podcast. I would really love for you to be on the podcast. I would love to interview you. I've only done two interviews and I really, really want to do more, but it's kind of hard to find people. So if you want to share your birth story, postpartum story, your miscarriage story, anything, your labor or yeah, your labor story, your 
I don't know, anything surrounding labor, birth, delivery, pregnancy, anything, please go over to my website that is linked on my Instagram and go over to the Beyond the Podcast tab and you can schedule a time to be on the podcast to talk. Super easy. We do it over Zoom. I record it on my end. It will take less than an hour. I mean, very, very easy. And I would really, really love to have you over on the podcast. So yeah, please go check out that website. I probably need to do a little bit more work on it, but it is up and it is running. And I really appreciate you guys for listening to this podcast, for trusting me to bring you information. And, you know, I'm learning along with you guys and I love recording this podcast and love providing value to you. So I will see you next time. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it and I will see you next week to talk more about the bump. And of course, I know you all probably know this, but I have to add it in. I make every effort to broadcast correct information through this podcast, but I am still learning so much. So I am in no way providing medical advice through this podcast, just sharing the things that myself and others have experienced or learned. Make sure to consult your physician before taking anything from this podcast and changing your health. This applies to any guests or contributors that I also have on this podcast. Thank you. And I will see you next week.